I'm ready when you are. You can feel the country's on the knife edge. It's only, what, 30 minutes late starting? Let's do this! <laughs> it's a joke, obviously. You are in retreat. We're not rioting yet. I don't like that question. You're just saying shit and you don't even know what you're talking about. That spider game sounds way cooler than manta rays, doesn't it? And I was like, well, here's my two cents. You, you, you need a lot of stuff. That's how we should describe the podcast. If they ever went out and recruited one more person, then we'd have double the number of people listening. Well then. Let's start the show. Well, hello, hello, everybody. My goodness, we're back. I'm feeling a bit under the weather, but I'm still happy to be here with my uh, with all of you and uh, my good friend, co-host Brad. How's it going? Hey, well, I'm still alive. The rest of the world's still alive, as far as I'm aware. Nobody's died. Well, people have died, but en masse, <laughs> nobody's died yet. Hearts have been broken. You know, emotions are running high, but... Hearts have been broken. Emotions are running high. Um, I guess we get right into the the giant uh, tanned uh, orange-haired elephant that's in the room. Uh, we were everybody was wrong on the election. Uh, we have to we have uh, yeah. to I guess tip our hats to that fact that hey, those that called it, even if they weren't hoping for it but saw it coming, you know, they uh, they were right. Uh, Donald Trump is one. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going for the ostrich approach here, Flash. My head is buried firmly in the sand, and I'm I'm going to stay there for the next four years and uh, hope for the best. Yeah, it's um, seems like the adult responsible thing to do. Right, 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 right. That or move to Canada, right? That's what everyone, that's what well, the Americans were saying. And that's what everyone tried to do on election night, wasn't it? But the <laughs> Canadian immigration <laughs> site just couldn't cope. Yeah, that was totally unrelated. Totally unrelated. You know, we just had a glitch. You know, not a big deal. My, yeah, my, no, I don't know. My worry with the ostrich approach is while my head is buried in the sand, somebody's going to blast me in the ass. <laughs> Could be Mr. Trump himself. Wow. Or, you know, uh, Special Ambassador Nigel Farage. Right, right. We're already, I guess, so it's, it's been a week now. We've had a week to, to settle. And that's, I guess, the next topic that we'll have in, in coming episodes. I think people are probably a bit tired of all the Trump stuff now. So we'll just touch on it a bit here and then move on to other stuff. But that'll be the next thing, his appointments and, and how it moves forward. And I think that's kind of the important thing now. You know, the, the ostrich approach as, as much as everybody wants to, you know, maybe do that. I think there's two things that are kind of coming out. Like I'm seeing sort of two camps, I guess, on some of my Twitter followers and, and journalists and stuff that I follow. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are, you know, trying to now say, oh, it's not going to be that bad. You know, look at he's dialing back on, you know, promises of the wall. He did his first 60 minutes interview where he said he would accept fencing in some areas and not a brick and mortar wall. And so we're seeing a bit of dialing back on stuff. But then behind the scenes, you're also seeing some kind of crazy cabinet appointments or, you know, staff appointments 
um, with the Bannon guy, the, the former executive for Breitbart News that everyone's, you know, rightfully uh, troubled by. Um, so I kind of think that that's where we're at right now is you don't want to normalize this too much. I've been, I've been hearing that a lot from, from some journalists that are really quite, you know, raising the alarm quite strongly. And they're saying, you know, don't normalize it. This isn't normal. The things he says isn't normal. So they're trying to encourage people to, you know, voice concern when he says something crazy or does something crazy. And I think that's kind of where it should be at the moment. He hasn't done anything yet. He's going to get into power. But this idea of like, well, let's give him a chance. Let's give him a chance. You know, I understand everyone was trying to, you know, de-escalate after such an emotional thing. But give the guy a chance. But also, I mean, like call a spade a spade. And he said all these things. So you can't just forget that, right? Like the minute yeah. you forget it and normalize it, then it gets him off the hook and allows him to, you know, sort of keep going. So. Well, he's, he's come out today, hasn't he, and said that he's not going to try and create a special prosecution against Clinton. Uh, so what that, a nice guy. Yeah, you know, how nice. Which, <laughs> interestingly, um, already, like, one of his big backers, one of the news media backers, is already saying, oh, he's already breaking promises. Uh, so, interesting that even his own media are starting to come out in protest against him going back on some of his, his promises. Uh, and then I just see um, he's disavowed some of the... Uh, the extremists on the right. So they were videoed giving Nazi salutes when uh, the announcement of his mm-hmm. victory won. So he's come out and disavowed and condemned them today. So, you know, he's making small steps in the right direction, at least. But but th- th- this is the thing, though. It's like, is when you say, like, oh, there's a small step here in the right direction, you know, how much of it is you know, behind the scenes or, you know, less talked about the steps in the opposite direction? Um <laughs> It's, I don't, I, I saw this, like, this kind of frustrated me in the wake of the, in the last three, or the first three days post-election, there was, I saw a number of posts on some of my social media, um, my Facebook, which I, I don't use, I don't like to use Facebook as a, like, I use Twitter more for engagement and politics and stuff like that. I think that's sort of the place, the Facebook I kind of keep as my, yeah, I tried to stay in touch with friends and stuff, but inevitably, and this is another topic maybe for another day, was the role of social media and Facebook in, in, in swaying people's minds. Um, but I saw these videos of being like, well, look at the side, of, the side of Donald Trump that nobody wants you, that the media doesn't want you to see, you know, and it was like him doing nice things. And it's like, yeah, okay. So he did some nice things that doesn't, that does not get you off the hook for saying all the other terrible shit, you know, like you can't. I thought you were going to say the side that we wouldn't see is where the actual wig attaches. I thought that's what you were going to say. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 The suture marks of yeah. where the hair transplant <laughs> went in. Yeah. No. So I, that, 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 I don't know. That just really frustrated me because it's like really like, you know, like two days after you just, we're just going to forget all of the awful things, you know? It does, it doesn't make sense. And I think that it's, it's good. It's, we don't need maybe all the doom and gloom that that's coming. Like the prognostications could be, could be wrong. Maybe he will turn out to be a middle of the road guy that, that does some good things. You know, like there is some good things in some of his stances, um, you know, like de-escalating tension with Russia. That's probably a good thing. Now, how he goes about doing that, is he just, you know, placating to Russia? Well, that's not a good way to do it, but you know, these, He's still so vague on his policy that we just don't know. But 
I, I think people need to really still hold him accountable to some of the, you know, terrible things that he said and practices that he may, you know, try to. Uh, yeah, I, I guess for me, the parallels. Get away with. Yeah, I guess to a lesser extent, but some of the parallels to the, the Brexit campaigning here where, you know, the Leave Party you know, just use outright lies to get elected, you know, not elected, but to get their way in the referendum. So, you know, mm-hmm. my hope is that he sprouted a lot of hot air to appeal to, uh, I was going to say a crazy part of the demographic, but uh, a, a section of, a large section of the population in America that wanted to hear that and, if, you know, effectively voted them into power. You hope now mm-hmm. that he doesn't go through with it, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I sprouted mm-hmm. that hot air to get elected and now this is what it's really going to be like. And no doubt he will bring some change. You know, he's not a politician, is he? So he is going to bring some change, you would hope. That said, he seems to be appointing a lot of mainstream, or allegedly appointing a lot of old school mainstream politicians into positions, which is interesting considering he said he was going to break up the establishment and now he's putting season-long politicians into high high-ranking positions, but... Yeah, and it seems like I guess it's a it's a bit of a double edged sword in that like yeah you you want people with experience obviously you know to to run this machine and he would be you know hopelessly out of his depth if he didn't but it does run counter to what he was saying, um, but I guess it's I, I I don't know I guess I'm 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 conflicted like like many people were and and maybe it's it's this idea of the way that you you checked yourself on saying um crazy part of the demographic i think that's that's an important thing to sort of highlight here too is that there's so many people that were saying you know his his supporters are are all racist and all this and all that and it's just not true and i think that was part of the failing of you know the democratic campaign the the clinton campaign and just you know politics and and media in general is for so long you know, people on the on the opposite side, on say the left side, you know, like we'll just use the, the the classic terms of right and left, and so maybe on the left side, maybe on the more liberal side, have constantly demonized people. On the other side, that there's a bit of a bit of pushback in being like, well, you know, screw you, you people are disconnected with the with the regular folk, and the regular folk that voted for them are probably a lot of them. Yeah, well, not probably guaranteed. A lot of them aren't racist. They were willing to accept the terrible things that he said because he was offering economic solutions where the other side wasn't offering radical economic change or political change. They were, it was, you know, the status quo. And so because there was, it was like, well, if I want change, I have to go with this guy. And I'm sure that most people that you would talk to would be like, yeah, I know he probably said, you know, he said these things, but that's not my focus because I'm, you know, from Ohio and I, I don't ever experience racism and I don't perpetuate racism. So it's just not on their radar. You know, like people yeah. think of like one or two things and they're willing to get rid of the rest. So I think that's part of it too, is that so much of this, you know, it's almost, and the, the, the media is using these words, the elite, the liberal elite and all these things like that. But I think it does show a bit of disconnect between the politician or the ruling class or whatever you want to call it, the political elite with 
you know, regular, regular people. And they just, the regular people didn't feel that connection. It didn't feel like the people actually cared for them. So I think that's, that's important. And when you check yourself and say the crazy part of the demographic, I mean, it's, it's, let's, let's stop, you know, demonizing all of these people. They have a legit reason to, to want change for sure. It's just unfortunate that there was no other option for change that they saw. Yeah. And I, and that was one of the the theories af, in the aftermath of Brexit here of, well, you know, it's people are more motivated to vote for change than they are to vote for the status quo. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're mobilizing that part of the population that want the change to come out and vote, where it's very hard to motivate voters to come out and vote. Yeah, vote, stay the same. Where yeah. vote for change is so much more catchier and so much more motivating. So, yeah, you know, I think for me, I think the positives... Well, I'm going to touch a little bit on the scary bit. So for me, it was interesting speaking to um, some friends and colleagues um, shortly after the election result, both of whom have kids around about the same age. Um, So sort of two kids, I think the youngest sort of six to eight, maybe, uh, and the oldest around about sort of 11, nine to 11, uh, and both of them independently of each other, and they don't really know each other. Um, when I spoke to them, the youngest, youngest kids basically just don't like Donald Trump and they don't, obviously they don't know who he is or, you know, know about him. They just find him really scary when they see him on TV. They're scared, which I think is just really mm-hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. That that's the demeanor that comes across over TV. Um, so interesting that they both said that, that both their youngest were just, just scared of Donald Trump. And then both of them said that their eldest, um, went to school the day after election and both of them came home in tears because mummy, daddy, this man's going to deport my friends and do all these bad things. Obviously they heard in the playground that, that day, but interesting that, you know, two separate people that don't know each other, both mm-hmm, mm-hmm. told me exactly the same thing. You know, it was interesting. Now that's the negative. I think on the positives, let's, let's find some positives in here, please. People, people suddenly in the US are taking an interest in their political system, whereas I think before a lot, and it's very, you know, it's always easy to say the younger generation don't care, but suddenly you see all these people saying, well, no, we're going to keep you honest. You know, we're going to lobby our senators and our congressmen and whoever to to keep you in check. So I think positive for me is, at the end of the day, he's a president, he has presidential powers, but, you know, the everyday politicians are the ones that are really going to be driving things forward. So hopefully they're not just going to be towing a party line of you're going to do all this crazy shit. You would hope they would vote with their conscience about things that are just wrong and that you know, the public are going to keep them in balance. That's that's my hope. I think the other positive potentially is we should just execute all pollsters because it obviously doesn't work. Didn't work in the US elections, <laughs> didn't work in Brexit, and it didn't work in our last general election. So let's just give up doing polls. It's a waste of time and money. Well, this this might be something that we could moving forward we could investigate because it's it's clear that the system is is flawed, it's outdated, it's whatever. And I think that, like you said, the, the positive of people becoming engaged in their political system is one thing, and I think it's also it's 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 pulling back the curtain on how it all works and and what the flaws are 
and where the corruption lies and this kind of thing. I think that's, I mean, sort of been the positive of the Trump and Bernie, you know, was doing the same thing too, you know? So I think that there is a positive there. Um, and I hope that, um, the, the, the countries in, in Europe that are a, a lot of them coming up for elections next year, you know, take heed and, and see the, the lessons learned from the Brexit and the U.S. election, um, and, offer some sort of legitimate change to counter the sort of extreme or the change that comes with the racist xenophobic saddlebags, you know, attached to it. So, so, so that could be, that, that could definitely be a positive. Um, I'm sure we'll have much more to, to, to talk about in the, in, in the coming weeks and whatnot with, with Trump and as he moves forward to actually, uh, you know, being sworn in and whatnot, I think the point, yeah, like we've kind of said, is that let's let's hope people keep them accountable. Um, yeah. I feel it's unfortunate that there is fear for a lot of people are scared. Like you mentioned, the anecdotes with the children, you know, being afraid of losing their friends and things like that. Well, you know, you say anecdotal, but if we say anecdotal, but if I was a pollster, you know, that would be hard evidence now. Right, right, that's right. Yeah, you know, and and. We got we got an end of two, so you know it must happen. Let's move on. Set myself up as a pollster, charge tens of thousands in consultancy fees. So you, you're lucky to have me on this show, Flash, for free because I could be earning big bucks out there on the pollster consultancy. Well, market. well, this is this is the other positive, Brad, for you and me is that you know people distrust the the quote mainstream media now. You know, it's it's clearly wow. we've been shown how that all works and how it's not there. So come to us. We're going to give you, you know, we're so going to, we're not going to talk like regular news people. Yeah. We're, the, we're the new media. We're, we're come here for your, for your fresh takes and unbiased. And well, that's, I guess we can't guarantee not biased, but we do our best just like everybody else. But it is, I think, I think it, it's, it's, you know, like with the, with the Facebook thing and the social media thing, obviously there's flaws in, in how information's being shared, but. Maybe, you know, people, you know, turn to us. We're here. Well, we're, we're happy to change our opinion in light of new evidence. We're, you know, not beholden to any, you know, corporation or anything. So come to the podcast. This is where you should be. Well, yeah. Well, previously you were crowned or crowned partially, uh, one of the kings of Calgary podcasting. So maybe now we should crown ourselves the saviors of modern media. Boom. I like it. You know, because where if you're a king, where do you go beyond that other than being a savior? Yeah, so that's that's true. That's true. Let's. I'm I'm into it. That'll be the new tagline for the for the show. Saviors of the new media. I okay, like it. I go. like it. And um, so that's that's what we well, do. So you know, the, so the, those are the positives, I guess. And um, it took us. It, it was it was hard to find them, you know. But as saviors of new media. We did that for you. We dug deep and hey, we found that's those. That's what we do. We get that extra mile to find those positives. Um, so we'll move, we'll move away from the election. Yeah, exactly. What? Yeah, we're here to, we're here to inform well, and bring keep, a little I'm, joy. I'm going to keep the positives going because I can, I know that our nine listeners want more positivity and I'm going to bring it to them right now. <laughs> I need fanfares. I need trumpets. I need some sort of music. Um, we've, we, we, you know, we have the Ebola. We don't have a, we should have a Zika sound, but Zika, <laughs> the emergency's over, people. We're all safe. 
who has declared medical emergency is over. Nine months, it's been a medical emergency and uh, no more. So uh, we can all sleep easy tonight. Well, Brad, I must say that uh, as much as we said we were going to bring the positive, we also said that we were going to be real with folks. And we're not going to be like the, as Donald Trump would call them, the lying media. So I must say, I, I don't know if it's quite as, as Zika being taken off the emergency list is quite as positive as uh, you just made it out to be. It sounds like you're pissing on my bonfire <laughs> right now, Flash. I might just be. I, um, I, I saw in Scientific America, they posted uh, a, a really good article, I thought, about this um, and basically saying that you know, Zika is off the emergency list, but it's not as good as it sounds. And base, and the reason is uh, that they took it off the emergency list, sorry, um, is because really they just have no way of dealing with it. It's like they've given up, more or less. Um, we can't really do anything to, c- to control the spread of the outbreak or even identify it. So um, it's not an emergency anymore. It's still just something we have to deal with. It's just, and, and, and it goes into the list of, you know, former emergency viruses like HIV, TB, Ebola, Marburg that are, you know, they're, they're no longer the, the, on the emergency list because it's like, well, now they're just here to stay. Um, and the numbers, I think, show it. I mean, Zika is now in 75 countries since 2007. The majority of those um, have come in the last 18 months. 28 of those countries have seen the microcephaly birth um, defects. 19 have shown the Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is the temporary and sometimes permanent paralysis that comes with uh, Zika. Um, 12 of these countries have have shown evidence for sexual transmission of the disease beyond the mosquito vector. But so beyond the mosquitoes spreading it, it, they've shown that it can be uh, from sex, uh, which we've talked about before. And basically, the global health community has no tools to find out who currently has it, uh, who got it and didn't get sick, um, which pregnancies will lead to deformities and which won't. And this is a big problem. Um, and it stems from lack of funding uh, you know, how slow it takes to get the funding. Like Obama asked for funding in February, didn't get it till September. Um, and then you're left with, you know, getting vaccines and treatments, which is good. But vaccines and treatments aren't going to come while well, vaccines are, you know, estimated to start coming down the pipeline in 2018, 2019. But the WHO was basically saying that they, they lack the front end tools to deal with Outbreaks and not just Zika. They, uh, the article talked about, um, Ebola. The WHO was saying that this week that Ebola was probably very underestimated. The number of cases, there was probably a lot more cases that just didn't show the severe symptoms. Um, and the same with the swine flu epidemic of a couple of years ago or 2009, maybe there was a swine flu scare. And it was big news because people were dying and everyone was, oh, my God, swine flu's coming. I remember that swine flu's coming. We're all going to die. But what they what they now see is that there was a lot of people that were infected that weren't dying. And so swine flu was actually, you know, no, no worse than a regular flu. And these gaps in being able to do the basic epidemiology of 
identifying those that are sick, even if they don't have symptoms, and tracing that spread and seeing, you know, what the actual death rate is or, you know, these people that are sick that uh, aren't showing symptoms, are they still transmitting? So we basically, the article was kind of, as you put it, pissing on your bonfire, that we really lack a lot of tools for handling outbreaks. We deal with it once it happens and then we make these, try and make these vaccines and stuff like that. But if you got no way of, you know, recording and reporting who's actually sick as it's going on, there's no, you know, method then to contain the actual outbreak and stuff. So I think the, the, the last line of the, or the last paragraph of the article started with, what do we take away from this? It's the microbes win again. Wow. Well, fuck me, Flash. Do you want to tell me that Father Christmas isn't real either? <laughs> we'll save that for next I week. I came storming into that. Fe- I came storming into that feature, feeling all positive. And if it wasn't for the fact that I'm tethered to this iPad, skyping with you right now, recording this podcast, I'd be drowning my sorrows and slitting my wrists in a warm bath. Oh, duct taping the windows shut. You know, sealing all the you know, <laughs> the entrances to the house, the vents, and everything. No, I mean, it's, yeah. It, 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 Don't try and come back from it now. <laughs> <laughs> You've just killed the mood. Absolutely killed the mood. Hey, man. I, As he pours himself another yeah, whiskey. I'm, yeah, I'm, fuck it, dude. Let's yeah, go bowling. I'm feeling a little ill. So, you know, the WHO doesn't recommend it yet on their website. But uh, this uh, cheap bottle of, of scotch that I found here in Germany, uh, uh, it's killing the germs well. German Scotch, well, that can only only be a good thing. <laughs> no, I think, hey, in the spirit of what we said, you know, being being honest and 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 whatnot, this is uh, this is the reality of it. But and and this is okay. I'm gonna, you know, now that I've gone this far, I'm gonna take it one further and link it back to the last one. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Take us out. Go on, Flash. <laughs> and end on a high, or in this case, an extreme low. I'm sure the way you're this going. This is where. You know, the Donald Trump presidency gets a bit scary as well because of his disregard for evidence-based decision-making and and disregard for science. You know, if you can't get basic funding for these kind of things and acknowledgement that, you know, we need these institutions that operate on science and collecting evidence and then making a decision, it's not going to, it's not going to get better, so... You know, whether it's climate change or public health, you know, that's. Well, you know, my, my only hope is that, you know, we tell Donald Trump that, you know, science says that if you have sex with monkeys, fruit bats or mosquitoes, you can get all these terrible diseases that he decides to prove us all wrong and yeah, tries yeah, to have crisis right. with one of those three animals or maybe all three at the same time. Maybe he has some sort of game bang and then we, you know, then we've got at least an N of one to uh, <laughs> prove or disprove science. Is it? I got the yeah, I got the best the immune system I can take from where you've. Left I got me. the best immune system. It's <laughs> terrific. Let me tell you, I'm gonna. I could be with the monkeys. The monkeys are great. I've been with. I've seen the monkeys. We're friends. I know these people. It's okay. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm working on my. You've been what? I'm working on my Donald Trump. You've been working yeah, on that yeah. impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. If we could just clean the beard up a little bit, dye the hair, do do some other stuff with the hair. Maybe we could pass you off as him and maybe get you inaugurated on January 10th, uh, 20th. Hey man, you know, I could, I could at least be the body double, you know, and, and make tons of coin while people try and shoot at me instead of him, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that flash. I don't want you dying. 
you know, then then I'd have to carry the show alone, which you know, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm sure would improve the listenership. You know, let's 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 be honest there. You know, I'm carrying you <laughs> really, but uh, you know, I, I'd be heartbroken. I, <laughs> Teresa probably would be heartbroken as well. So, yeah, that's 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 something that I want to imagine. All right, well, let's let's move let's on. Then, and, and we need to do that. Hey, if if we need the money at, at one point, I'm not I'm not opposed to you know drastic solutions. Well, okay. I'll tell you what, I, I know how we can move on. We can move on by throwing the bird, the finger, two fingers, one finger, depending on where you are. Donald Trump, fuck you. We're going to talk some science. How about that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know what? I know that he's listening because I've been tweeting at him. And we all know that he's on Twitter and doesn't like to be called. <laughs> so let's tweet at him and get him to listen to the show. Yeah, that or the Secret Service come and kill us. So, uh, yeah, what what can go wrong with that plan, Flash? I like it. It's what I am. Yeah. All right. Yes. Let's let's move on. Like, you you got something legitimately positive, right? Uh, yeah, definitely positive. So a uh, a British scientist um, called Roger uh, Shawyer, uh, about fourteen years ago, um, came up with a plan for uh, electromagnetic uh, propulsion. Um, that effectively um, could revolutionise the world. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, this is this is the skeptical. EM drive, as it's known. The e, yeah, the M drive, the EM drive. So there's a lot of scepticism around it um, at the time, mainly because nobody could work out how the hell it worked. But he he showed that it worked. So NASA picked up on this and have been doing a series of experiments uh, over the last fourteen years or so, um, basically trying to see if it works, how it works to disprove it works. Because the big problem with the CM drive is it effectively it goes against Newton's third law of motion. Which is, do you know? Uh, uh, ooh, I'm not a physicist, but yeah. So basically the third Good, law of motion is the one it. that every action has an... Okay, so every action has an equal or opposite ah, reaction. Okay, yes, and I've, I've heard of that. So, I'm sure most know, people have heard of that. Yeah, so a jet engine works by blasting hot air at the back, which means you get a forward motion. You get that equal and opposite right. reaction. But basically, uh, this thing, I, I did like one of the, I looked at several outlets reviewing this. One of the outlets here, obviously not a great scientific outlet, um, said scientists cannot work how this machine trundles along. <laughs> trundles along. Great scientific word. Yeah. Um, but basically, uh, it's been published uh, this week. Um, NASA published uh, data basically showing that it works, but they don't know how the hell it works. Uh, they think it's uh, something to do with microwave photons, and there's various theories about it heats the air up and moves things along. But the exciting thing is they actually think it could be used to in space travel um, because you don't have to carry masses of fuel around. You don't have to carry any fuel around. Um, you just use electromagnetic, wave, electromagnetic waves to uh, create forward motion. Right. So in that's... It's right now. It's it's viewed as purely a space travel thing. Like we're not going to have EM planes. I don't, from my understanding of it, correct? Uh, yeah. At the moment, I think because NASA have latched onto it, the only things I've seen is it's you know space travel, space travel. Here we go. Um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe there's other ways of doing it. So at the moment, all the tests they've done have been trying to recreate space. So you know, in a near vacuum and um things like that so so this but yeah who knows this is they've actually done the physical experiments to show that this works 
or that the proof of concept or whatever. Uh, they've done the experiments, uh, so it, uh, they basically did it in a near vacuum uh, to recreate the atmosphere in space mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. atmosphere in space. Uh, they put it on a, a device called a torsion pendulum and determined how much thrust it could generate. Uh, basically, so how much it moved the uh, pendulum, uh, and they think it's well based on their results. It's capable of producing one point two millinewtons per kilowatt of energy. Hmm. Um, which they say compared to a traditional engine um, isn't that much, but bear in mind it has no fuel. So it's an engine generating the thrust with no fuel. Right. So obviously, you know, if they can refine this and scale it up, then what's possible? Well, then you have, you basically, you have a vehicle that can endlessly travel in space with that, with never need, never needing yeah. to be refueled. I mean, that's, that is, that's huge. That's that's really cool, and I I'd heard about this thing too. Like I read about it, uh, you know, a, a, a ways back, and yeah, it was always this thing. Is like the guy says it works. Like this weird guy came up with this weird thing, and NASA was looking into it because it's like we he says it works, and we're trying to figure it all out. And it's like his theory, but we could they were they had yet to make a physical, you know, prototype, I guess, of of the thing. So. Now we have a small prototype in some vacuum in NASA that says that it works. And I really, the thing that I really like about it is that nobody knows how it works. I somehow really like these, you know, these sort of stories where it's just like, yeah, the shit works, but I'll be damned if we know how. Yeah. And and that's what I love. And I think that as we've talked about before about, you know, how do you, the thing about science is you fund it because there might not be any money to be made from it. So, you know, governments and philanthropists should fund science because you never know what's going to happen. And maybe, you know, whatever you're working on in the lab, you might discover some sort of mistake that's the next big thing. Here we have something that, you know, some guys invented, which if you'd have followed the strict laws of physics, should not work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet it does. And now they're trying to work out how the hell does it work? Yeah, for me, it gives hope for me as a not very good scientist that I don't know how shit works all the time. And now we've got NASA. They've been working on this stuff for like 10, 14 years. They still don't know how it works either. Suddenly, I'm like the world's best scientist. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but I know it does. Hey, man. Count me in. Like the, the, much like Monty Python's uh, Ministry of Silly Walks, we need the Ministry of Harebrained Ideas, you know, because you never know when you're going to need them. <laughs> And you never know what kind of benefit they will have. Um, so I'm all for it. And I, and I think that the important thing too is that like if it, you know, exposes some, you know, unthought of link in quantum theory or something like this, you know, this is the other thing is like, okay, this, this is going against all our predictive models of how physics works. So why is that? What is that link? What is the, what are we missing? And that just advances. All, the whole field in general, beyond having the actual engine, it informs, uh, you know, the science as a whole, physics as a whole. So brilliant. This guy's like the guy who did this. Is he like, you know, uh, an ancestor of Tesla or something like this? I don't know. Yeah. Sounds like a crazy. Uh, he's, a, he's, yeah. he's a British guy and I, I'm going to go away and, and dig around a little bit. I'm really hoping he's one of these guys that just does stuff in his garden shed. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I. 
That's what I'm really hoping. I have no doubt he's probably based in a major university and he's a professor of astrophysics or something like that. But I just would really love for him to be, well, I built this in the back of my yeah. shed and I didn't know why it kept falling off the shelf, but it does. Yeah. That's, what I, that's what I'm really hoping for. Yeah. And do you know what? Even if I discover he's a professor of astrophysics or something, being that we now control the new media, I'm just going to lie. I'm going to come back next week and tell you all that he is just some dweeb in a garden shed. Exactly. Well, you know what? Even if he was a professor at some university, let's hope that he was the, you know, the shunned professor that nobody liked and he had tenure, but, you know, he was in his back office. They kept moving him, you know, floors down, floors down till eventually his office was in the basement. And he wasn't teaching courses. He's like and, Milton from Office Space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you guys take my EM drive, I swear I'm going to burn the building down. <laughs> he, 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 they, they hear, they hear her just, just one more, one more day. One more day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll do some digging and I'll, uh, I'll come back next time and let you know uh, more about uh, Roger Shawler. Yeah, well, there you go. It might be a name that we that we hear more of if the EM drive becomes. You know, the thing that allows us to travel to the next planet when we've, when we've totally fucked up this one. So. Yeah. Well, which could be pretty soon. So these guys at NASA better get on this pretty damn quick. We we get, we, from, from that, you know, jumping off point, we have a couple different ways where we can go with this, uh, this conversation. We got a a brief thing about wormholes. You, you teased my black hole, uh, last episode. So we could jump into that. Or um, we could jump into the, you know, the way that we could save our own planet with clean energy. What do you think? Um, well, we roll it over from last time, and and I'm, you know, I think we've touched on the space thing, so I'd like to keep going. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out into the hole, and I'm gonna <laughs> grab whatever I can, and I'm gonna drag wormholes and black holes right here, right now. The the people have been waiting for it. They've they've not been demanding. I'll be honest. The, the Twitter account has been quite quiet last week. But I want to hear it. So go, Flash. Hit okay. me. Make it good. And, and make it upbeat, please. None of this dire shit again. I can't, I can't cope with this. So make it good. Go. Yes. Okay. Well, it, it, it is a positive story. I will say that. Um, now I'm, Ooh. I am, uh, I am out of my depth here as a, as a non physicist, but we'll give it a go. Um, it basically, uh, and this again was Scientific America, obviously. You can tell I'm, I'm a fan of that publication, but, um, they seem to be out of business once Trump. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so w- w- the, the story deals with two sort of physics, um, phenomenons that people might be familiar with. One is quantum entanglement and the other is black holes. Um, and so, and, and, and what they found is that the two might be linked and one might help explain the other. Um, and so quant. Okay. So you're, you're going to have to explain both yeah, of these yeah. to me. Black, black hole I get, quantum entanglement. Not yes. So, much. so quantum, quantum entanglement is, um, it's one of the laws of quantum physics. This is what Einstein described as a, a spooky, spooky entanglement or a spooky phenomenon of physics that the equations all you know, predicted, um, but they were never really able to sort out, you know, what was going on. And basically, um, it's a law of quantum physics, like I said, that allows for distant objects to be entangled. So the actions of one affect the other, even though there's a lack of a physical link between them. So, so okay. what they've shown, and I think they recently, sh- um, 
had this in the lab, shown this in the lab last year, 2015, um, is that you can get um, uh, electrons and, you know, you can never quite predict exactly where an electron is going to be and the spin of an electron. It's really hard to tell what's going on. But if one spins one way, the prediction is that one the the opposite one or the one that's entangled with it will spin the opposite way and that you will right. one will affect the other and i mean you can go down wormholes separate worm, you know youtube wormholes i'm talking about now trying to you know understand this concept but the idea is that the action of one object is totally linked to the action of another object that's not physically in contact with it and where the black holes come in is that there was always this theory that wormholes connect black holes. So, and that would be a way to travel through space, right? The wormhole, you may have seen it on Star Trek or something like this. And that it's like you go through one wormhole and space time bends and you come out the, or you come out the other black hole. And so you go in one black hole, travel through the wormhole, out the other black hole. But what they're finding with physics and, and trying to reconcile these equations, and I'm not sure if they've done physical experiments on it yet, but it's that this idea of entanglement might be that connection. That might be the wormhole, is the, the, the law of entanglement. So the actual physical connection between the two black holes is basically these two black holes are quantumly entangled. So you kind of have to, I'm, I'm looking at you and you got a bit of a, a blank face and I kind of have a blank. No, it's a, it's a black hole. My face is a black <laughs> hole. That's what you're looking at right now. And it, basically, the idea is that quantum physics says that two objects can be linked without a physical link and their actions dictate, okay. you know, each other. And if you just take the two black holes no one's ever been able to prove that wormholes exist or see one or measure one. But it's like you take this idea yeah. of entanglement that these two things that aren't physically linked are somehow linked and then you transfer it to black holes. That's the link. The black holes are entangled. Okay. That's my understanding of it. It sounds freaking awesome because, you know, <laughs> I was a fan of Deep Space Nine Star Trek Deep Space Nine, where they travel, oh, no, no, <laughs> they, no. they use the wormhole all the time in Deep Space Nine. It's great. It's, it's fascinating. Again, it's one of these things, you know, like we don't really know how it works. We don't, but we're on that, we're on the edge of knowledge here, staring into the vastness, understanding if we can actually use black holes to travel. And just the concept of entanglement to me is like Einstein said, very spooky. It's it's a it's a weird phenomenon that you know just continues to amaze and offer new explanations. It seems to me, I will say, um, when you when you think of the idea of like, oh, we had this this concept, this 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 gap in knowledge between how could the black holes be linked, and then you bring the entanglement theory into that, it almost seems like a no brainer. Where it's like, well, yeah, like they kind of fit. You know, um, yeah. without even without knowing the the intricacies of the math or things like this, you know, but just the two concepts really, in my mind anyway, make a lot of sense. So I kind of like that too. That it's like again going back to the idea that we said about funding science because you never know where it's going to go and these kind of things. It's like yeah, these are 
you know, two sort of distant ideas that we one day some guy brought together and was like, you know what? That shit might make, that might work. That might make sense. So that's a bit of a positive there. Bit of an interesting story. I'm s- sorry for the lack of in-depth knowledge in explaining it. I hope that everybody followed my ramble there, but. No, no, I think it's not. And I think I'm certainly not a phys- phys- Physics for me was when I was at, at school and at college, something that I, I had to take for what I wanted to, to do. And I found it really fascinating. I just wasn't very mm-hmm, good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still, you know, I, but I'm really fascinated by it now, you know, space and all of that. I absolutely love. And actually I went, um, little sidebar. This is a nice story. Uh, my daughter went to, um, the, um, British or the National Space Center, uh, in Britain, uh, last week. So today we were having dinner together. And uh, she opened up a colouring book, and there was a colouring book full of planets. So she was naming all the planets. She's only six, and she's naming all the planets. I was really <laughs> excited. I'm like, yeah, soon, I, soon I'm going to blow her. She's already into Star Wars. Soon I'm going to blow her mind and get her into Star Trek, but not Deep Space Mind because okay, okay. Well, then I gotta, um, I gotta stop you right there and say, what are you going to start her with? Uh, probably it's got to be Next Generation. That's the one. That's the one. The the yeah. original is great, and for all like, if we do happen to have listeners that grew up with the original uh, Star Trek, uh, I don't know what our you know demographics are, but it's great. I get it. I know why everyone loves it. For anyone you know our age, you and I's age, and and older, it that shit doesn't fly. It's it's t- it's see, too ridiculous. The, see, the, the, the graphics and everything. Like I I get the camp value, but no. No, it's next generation. See, growing up, growing up before next generation happened, I wasn't wasn't a Star Trek fan, and you know it would be on like tea time TV over here, and they'd have like the classic Star Trek on, and you'd sort of watch it a little bit. It's like, oh, I'm not really into it, but you, I'd watch it. It's like, oh, it's quite cool to watch for dinner time, or whatever. And then when next generation came out, it's like, oh, it's Star Trek. I'm not really into that. And I started watching. It, it's like this is amazing. And then you know, in between seasons, it's like, well, I ha- how do I get Star Trek mm-hmm. fix. Oh, let's go back and watch the the old show. So, for yeah, so that's why I'll probably get her that way involved because that's the way I sort of came into it of watching Next Generation, getting into it, and then well, how do I plug that gap? Okay, well, let's go back to the original. I couldn't I then Deep Space Nine. I couldn't get into. For me, Star Trek is on the Enterprise, so being on a space station that doesn't work. Um, and then. Enterprise, yeah, not so much. Um, the f- the films I've gotten into, the next generation films, yes. The the uh, the newer films, I'm struggling with a little. No, I I totally agree. The new the reboots, nah, not for me. I don't like it. I just think uh, there's a couple of gaps in it. So for me, there was one about Spock. You know, in one of the films, you know, we see Spock's. I think mothers died, but then it turns out I then had to, because I stopped watching it. I said, like, oh, well, hold on, because his mum is late in late in the next generation. But no, it turns out it's not his mum. It's his stepmum, next generation. So I had to go back and apologise for that. But then in the reboot, there's, uh, or Admiral Pike, because he yeah. is, um, who isn't in a wheelchair and isn't, you know, condemned to that, which in the first one, you know, the guy's yeah. in a wheelchair. or the modern equivalent of. So, yeah, to me, there's a few gaps. It doesn't Next Generation, I think we can agree, is the shit. It's, you know, Star Trek was necessary. The original was necessary in order to set it all up. 
they really peaked at Next Generation. That's the best. Yeah. Picard, Sir Patrick yeah. Stewart. My God. It's like, it's, yeah, it's the best. You have the best storylines. You got the best villains, the Borg, Q, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's really the best. And those, and those movies were amazing. First contact generations, like you, you can't beat that. So I agree. Deep Space Nine was yeah. good. We won't, we don't need to go so into the Star okay. Trek here, but <laughs> Gen- we can agree that Generation was the peak. Next Generation was the peak. Deep Space Nine was yeah. all right. Yeah. It's pretty good. And then everything after that has been terrible. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll agree that Next Generation gets the too bad for you seal of approval. Right. Um, and if we've still got any listeners left at this stage, <laughs> um, thank you for sticking with us. Um, you know, tweet us. Maybe you're a fan. Maybe yeah. you're not. Let tweet us and let us know whether you want to hear more of our yeah, ramblings. We, we could do a side. We could do a side. We could do, a side, uh, we could do um, a side podcast of like, what's your Picard or something like this. I don't know. Like, and then just and then just break <laughs> down the best episodes and eventually get through them all. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe you maybe think I maybe want to go yeah. watch them. But anyway, anyway. Sustainable energy. Tell me about that as well, Flash. Come on, keep the good news okay, going. Okay, yeah, well, you know, we, we've got a positivity. We, ta- we talked about the you know, EM drive leaving the planet, wormholes to maybe travel around space, and I think there's there's uh, there's there is positive things happening here on Earth, uh, where people are seemingly you know outside of Donald Trump, getting the message that uh, climate change is real, and we're going to have to be you know doing some things about it. Um, and I unfortunately don't have a ton of information on this, but, um, apparently there is a giant super, super grid. I think they're calling it the super grid, um, that three countries are going to be building. It's South Korea, Japan, and Russia. Um, and they're looking to build a super grid of wind and solar energy in the Gobi Desert. So... Use the resources that are okay. there in the Gobi Desert. It's a desert, so it gets a lot of sunlight and a lot of wind. And apparently, they'll be able to harness this and, and get, I don't know, I think it's a 10 gigawatts. I don't, I'm not sure what that means or what that is and compared with other things. So I'm just throwing that number out there. Well, the, the, 10.21 yeah. gigawatts. Yeah. That's the only thing I can put into. So it's got to be a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, think if, so. If it powers the DeLorean, then, you know, there we go. And, yeah. Uh, so I, I, this is something that I think we should look into further. Uh, and listeners, will, I will look into it further. But it's um, Global Energy Interconnection Development and Cooperation Organization. This is the... Well, that is not catchy. They need to work. They need a marketing yeah, department yeah, to yeah. work on that because that it's is not mouthful. working for me. It's a mouthful. Well, many yeah. things are. <laughs> And I mean, that, that could just be the English translation. We're talking about South Korea, Japan, and Russia, three countries that are, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Renowned for making things so much more succinct in their own native exactly. languages. Not. Exactly. Um, but anyway, this is, you know, they have this plan to, you know, build solar panels and, and wind turbines. Um, and with it, you know, be able to power sort of that corner of the globe. Um with the their plan to build uh, infrastructure to connect the 
you know, wind turbines and solar panels, um, down into Beijing and up into Russia and then across into Japan and basically have this, this energy source. Um, and I guess the, the organization, the global energy interconnection development and cooperation organization, you know, our good friends there, um, <laughs> aim to their goal is to aim to transition to sustainable low carbon energy for everyone by 2050. And again, this is like, I, I feel like what I saw on this was like a press release thing. So not, not a lot of details, but there's a couple of things that I like about this, you know, the sustainable energy thing I think is, is great. Obviously, you know, we're all, we're yeah. all on board with that over here at two bread for you. But I also think it's the cooperation aspect of their name is really good um because russia is in there you know we hear a lot about russia and hostilities and tensions and all the rest of it and while those are all true politically and militarily and well mainly politically let's be honest but there there has to be some you know sort of bridging of the gap i mean we, we i think we all need to realize and to bring it back to what we were talking about at the beginning, the Trump thing, the Brexit thing, everything is there's so much division. There's so much, you know, carving up of the world at the moment, everybody retreating to their own, uh, you know, countries, nationalism, populism, all that. It, it's not going to work. You know, we're at a point where, you know, we need the global community to get together and we all need to realize that this is our planet and we're all on here together. So I, well, yeah, or I guess the skeptic would say either one, Russia are running out of oil, or two, they're going to make it into a weapon. Were they going to make their solar things into a weapon? Yeah, it'd be you know, it'd be like the man with the golden gun. They'll harness all the solar power into some sort of powerful ray gun that they can use to blow things up. Right. So you were, you know, now who's the pessimist? Now who's the guy that's bringing it down? I tried to lift up the, the program and... One man's pessimist is another man's realist. <laughs> I wish I had that uh, phrase in my back pocket, you know, about 30 minutes ago. <laughs> but no. Hey, you should have you come to me 30 <laughs> minutes ago. I'd have, uh, I'd have thrown you that bone. Yeah. I don't want any bones thrown from you in my direction, all right? Well, it's okay. It's, it's virtual reality. You can't get donkey aids through this flash. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And once you've got donkey AIDS, you've got oh, yeah. it for life. So. It's just another one of those diseases that we listed off before. Um, anyway, let's let's get to the point here. Let's get serious. I think the cooperation aspect, like I said, is a good thing. I know yeah, that, that um, a good thing. You're right. Justin yeah. Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, when he took power, his one of his platforms on dealing with Russia was to oh thank you very much I like your you know a hand over the heart um, salute for Justin Trudeau well just just backing the horse in case I need to move to Canada at some hey point man, in the future hey man so. he he I think Justin Trudeau is going to look a lot better juxtaposed to uh, our you know, neighbor <laughs> to the south but anyway his stance on on Russia was when he took power you know the previous government was like we're sanctions we're not dealing with them we don't talk to them until they you know, acquiesce to the international community. And yes, Russia's done a lot of things that the international community needs to be wary of, but that's politics aside. Fact of the matter is there's things that we can work together with. And this is what Trudeau said. He's like, if there's an issue that we can work together with them, we'll work with them. 
but we're going to oppose the other things. And I think that's a sort of reasonable yeah. middle of the road strategy. I know people will, you know, shit on that middle of the roadness um, for not taking a hard line either way. But I think it's an interesting idea. And I think um, if the three countries become linked in that way, um, you would hope that the idea is that they are equal partners in that. Um, and uh, the Gobi Desert, I believe, is in Russian borders or Chinese borders. I don't know. I didn't see China in that. So just thinking on the fly here, that's a bit interesting and we'll look into it a bit more. But it's a good idea. And, uh, you know, if you can generate all this energy, I mean, nobody's living in the Gobi, Gobi Desert currently. I mean, there is and obviously always environmental concerns when you do big infrastructure construction projects like that there, in, you know, in any environment. But seems like a good idea. You know, let's let's you know, move to the sustainable energy. And I think that that's one of the things, too, just that I've been hearing a lot about recently um, is that these types of technologies are getting more affordable. And I think that we were, we are seeing the end of the beginning of the end of you know, the fossil fuels. Well, and yeah, and there was, there was some news recently, wasn't there? Some of the uh, more developing nations have sort of, they're, they're starting to back sustainable fuels because, you know, they don't have a power system at the moment. They've got to put something in place and, it, you know, for them to hit all the hurdles with fossil fuels or nuclear power just isn't mm -hmm. going to happen. So they're getting behind this, you know, it's a case of, you know, we've got to do something. If climate change exists, which, you know, a lot of scientists say it does, but, you know, Trump says it doesn't, um, you know, we've got to be doing something. And yes, you know, if the sun doesn't always shine, the wind doesn't always blow. So yes, maybe we are always going to need at some point to burn some gas or some fuel or some coal or whatever. But if we can reduce that drastically, that can only be a good thing, surely. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, I... I from from what I'm seeing and you know what I'm reading, um, the the renewable energies are sort of the the more cost efficient way to go at the moment, or will be very soon, um, as the technology tracks up. Uh, so, I think we are seeing this, and I know that uh, my home province of Alberta in back in Canada is it's an oil producer and they're in hard times right now because you know the oil prices have you know dropped drastically um and there's a lot of people that are hurting right now and i just saw an article in uh, our national canadian national newspaper the cbc um that you know 49,000 people depend on coal for their job and yet we're now phasing out coal like the the, the government's plan is to phase out coal uh, to meet with the Paris Accord uh, agreements. And I think that it's a good thing um, that we have to do this, but there will be growing pains. And I think that it's important to also look at that side of it because this is where the pushback comes from. This is where you get people that are, you know, left behind and feel, you know, left behind by the government and, and all these, yeah. these sorts of things. And that's where you get these people that are, you know, fighting or voting for you know, maybe somebody that has all this other baggage, you know, but is is saying he's going to do this. Yeah. yeah, that's so. That's a good point. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be the. You know, none of these things are quick fixes, are they? You know, we're talking about twenty fifty, mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. know, tens of years in the future. So let's start planning for that now, as opposed to getting to twenty fifty and giving forty nine thousand people their last paycheck and saying good luck, goodbye. Yeah. 
um, you know, start planning for that now. You know, can we start retraining? Is there things we can do, you know, so that we're we're helping that workforce now so it's not such a painful transition, hopefully, if and when the day comes that we don't need to be digging up coal or gas anymore. I think I think the writing's on the wall. Personally for me, I think the writing is on the wall with these kind of things. And 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 like I said in back home, uh it's there's a faction of people that are you know, doubling down on oil and coal and all the rest because that's gonna get the votes in the short term and, and I understand, like I said, there's a human element to all of these things that you can't ignore, but there has to be a way that you know solar panels need to be built. That infrastructure needs to be built. You know, we're talking about when oil first, you know, when we first had the oil booms in Alberta, you know, in the, in the oil sands and stuff, people were coming, flocking from all over the country um, and getting jobs working in the oil patch. These people weren't trained to work in the oil patch. They were trained on site. They were able to do it, you know, and it's the same sort of thing. It's like, who's going to, who's going to latch on to this next boom, you know, which will yeah. be the next, I think will be the next boom and should be for, you know, a sustainable future. So th- there has to be ways that you can do it. You have to think that there's the, there's ways that we can do that. And, you know, I, th- I think if economies and governments and stuff focus on this, this innovation and this, this tech, you know, I've been reading a lot of um, economic articles and Obama had an essay that he wrote for The Economist that I thought was really interesting. And what keeps coming up um, in these things that I've been reading is that there's this, especially in the U.S., like, like again, we're kind of U.S. focused right here, but uh, the the economy and the reason that you had the crash of 2008 and stuff like this is that it's all, their economy is based on finances and moving money around. And there's no actual manufacturing. There's no actual goods. You know, the focus isn't on providing a good to a consumer um, and then making your profit based on that. The, the focus is all using money to make more money. And because of this golden rule of as a public corporation, we need the shareholders. We have to make profit for the shareholders. So this is always profit, 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 profit. And it's just moving money around. You know, and, and, and I'm out of my depth here. And I got a couple of ideas of people that we could talk to and bring on that could, you know, enlighten us a bit on this stuff. Um, but it made me think, you know, that it's like, yes, if you shift to, you know, actually doing something, building something, you know, like there's a lot of space for innovation right now. The climate change thing is, I've heard, I'm not the guy that came up with this analogy. It was the Dan Carlin guy from the, the Hardcore History and Common Sense podcast. But if you look at the common change or climate change um, situation, like you did a wartime threat and put money into it, you know, and, and actually, you know, steamroll innovation why couldn't we be solving these problems and why couldn't we have so many jobs for people not only coming up with the ideas but then those that implement the ideas you know build the infrastructure you know repurpose the infrastructure that we have to a new thing you know like it seems that the and maybe this is the you know the sentiment you know that people are you know voting against the status quo and stuff but they're kind of Again, like we said, they're they're channeling it into the wrong way. Maybe if there was an option where people could actually say, vote for this, where it is an environmental policy, but we still can offer you jobs and, you know, innovation and all this stuff and making countries great again and all these things, you know, like I think I got you got to think that there is a way that, that, that that's possible, you know. There's got to be hope. 
Let's hope there's hope. If there's no hope, we're all screwed. Well, yeah, and yeah, obviously, well, yeah. I, I've I've talked myself I'm being out very of words phys- right now. I'm, I'm I'm being very philosophical tonight. I think uh, you know, and that's without drinking. So I do plan to go to the pub after this. So you know, I can only predict that my philosophical side is going to come out even more. I, that, you know, I may have the meaning of life for us by eleven o'clock tonight. So stay tuned for the next episode, guys, because uh, you well, never know what might come next. I was going to say, if that's the case and you do find it, be sure to record it so that we can... <laughs> <laughs> we'll the drunken ramblings yeah, have we'll, the meaning of life. We'll put it out as, a, as an aside, you know? As, a, as an extra. Yeah, an extra. exactly. So, um, continuing, well, continuing the good news, maybe, depending on which side of the, the fence you're on. Um, and I know you touched on this in your Where's My Glasses uh, podcast uh, head transplants. Right. This could be a, a new. This could be a new section to uh, grab the attention. One of my favorite uh, topics of all time. Wow. Uh, so uh, Professor Canavero, who's the Italian uh, neurosurgeon that um, some of the listeners may have heard of, he's been sort of at the forefront of this for a few years now. Wait, wait, wait. Um, Let's call him what he is—a mad scientist. <laughs> His picture, um, he, he looks a lovely guy. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. But his picture looks as if he could be a Bond villain. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> um, so earlier this year, I think it was in January this year, they um, did a head transplant in China. He led a team of Chinese scientists on a monkey. Um, they kept the monkey alive for 20 hours afterwards. They didn't reattach its uh, spinal cord. So that's why they only kept it alive for 20 hours afterwards. But they did reattach its uh, blood supply to basically show that you didn't get brain damage. They could they could do the operation without getting brain damage. Um, so then obviously the next step will be to prove that they can reconnect the spinal cord. Um, but he's basically saying that he's moving closer to his goal of uh, performing a head transplant. And he's targeting 2017 to be that year. Boom. Um, so why he's in the news now is uh, two developments. So he's wanted um, by Interpol. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, <laughs> running around with a bag full of hacked off heads. Yes. Uh, no. So the, the reason he's in the news now is on um, Friday last week. Um, he gave a presentation at the Royal College of um, Surgeons in Glasgow, um, outlining two big things. So the first is he showed the knife that would be used for the operation. Um, so the knife basically, um, has to be very precise. Uh, so it's been designed by an American, um, professor, the actual knife itself. Oh, no, you um, need Japanese. This is where you need Japanese samurai sword samurai. technology. Well, you know, it, unless it's a American Japanese professor, but, uh, American professor, basically the knife, um, will allow a clear cut of the spinal cord with a minimal impact on the nerves. Um, but it can cut to one micrometer. It's so like one millionth of a meter. So it'll give the precision that he needs. And the, the knife itself, um, we, I'll tweet it out on our, our link later. The picture, it looks across between a USB stick, a Stanley knife, and the top of a pen. It doesn't look anything like a scalpel. Um, I just want to see, I want to see the sales job that this guy's doing. Cause I'm picturing like, <laughs> you know, the TV adverts on, you know, like middle of the afternoon, Saturday, 
you know, where he's cutting tin cans and shoes. The knife cuts through anything like butter. <laughs> and if you order now, the next hundred callers get, get the, you know, this is what I'm picturing. Yeah, maybe, well, yeah, maybe I've not looked at QVC recently, but maybe I should, maybe it's on there. Who knows? So that was the first thing that he unveiled. Uh, the second thing was basically um, there's been some ethical concerns over this. Who knew? Um, but the ethical concern that he's highlighted is that patients won't be able to cope with it. People that have had bodies that are paralyzed or bodies unable to fully move, whatever, won't be able to cope with a foot that are now fully functioning body so um him and another company have paired and they've basically made a virtual reality training course um so before you go through the procedure then you'll have this virtual reality training course where you're basically trained to cope with your new body your new fully functioning body um yeah not quite the knife bit i think well that's pardon the pun cutting edge the whole virtual reality thing, really? I need to go to a training course before I... Just give me the damn body, man. I want to be an athlete. Give me the body. Well, I don't know. I think that, isn't it, this is like... And, and, and for those that have listened to the Where's My Glasses stuff, I think we, we had the same, this this idea of like, how do you integrate to the new body? How do you, you know, there's the the psychological aspect, which, you know, I think is what you were, you were getting at there is that, it's it's not your body it's not it's you know it's a used body you know how do you how do you how do you think about that how does your mind deal with that i i can imagine that that would be you know a bit of a, a you know just pardon the language a mind fuck because well, there was yeah, yeah. there was the guy that um yeah he had a hand transplant and I think he, in in interviews with him, he said something like, you know, it took like whatever whatever it was, six months, a year, or something like this, to stop referring to his new hands as the hands, and starts <laughs> and start saying my hands, you know, like and and, and I think that's the that's thing so that you know, think about it, like think about the things you know, when you, if you were to have kids with a new body, it's not your sperm it's not your well you, you know. say this but here's something i've just thought of last episode of the episode before we talked on basically harvesting animals for organs right yeah and yeah. you'd have your own but you'd grow your own pig with all your own organs in from your stem cells yeah yeah well why don't we just transplant the head onto that animal then you've got a whole new body it's basically a brand new body but with your dna in it yeah but it's a pig body but it's a brand new body. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It'd basically, it'd be like going into you go into a showroom and they say, "Well, you can have this clapped out seventy year old body over here because that's the only one we've got available right now." Yeah. Or we've got this state of the art, all singing, all dancing DNA exact match for you, my friend. Fresh kidneys, fresh liver. You could drink yourself to oblivion. This liver will still bring you back to work on a Monday morning. Yeah. But yes, it's a pick. Uh, which would you like to go for? It could happen. Yeah. Okay. So you 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 lose uh, the functionality of opposable thumbs, but you know, whatever. Hey, all your friends love you because you smell a bacon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then you got to watch your drunk friends in you know in the middle of the night that they don't just <laughs> hack a piece off of you, you know, in the night. But you know, I was thinking, I was thinking of it, and you know, maybe this is this is an even bizarre, you know, future. 
Uh, well, actually, I don't know if it's more bizarre than, you know, people running around with pig bodies, you know, heads on pigs. But, you know, you got like your, your harvest your organs and then you just transfer your new organs into the body, your shell of a body that's been donated to you. Yeah. You know, again, I was thinking of the kids thing. Like if you want to have kids, so it's like, but then we're talking about growing your own testicles on a pig and then implanting those into the new donor body. Is that your, is that the excuse? Sorry, officer. That's the reason my testicles are in this pig right now. Yeah. yeah that. <laughs> Dodgy ground again. Your lawyers were only just over, you know, all the inaccuracies and the libel slander that you were throwing around early on in this series. So, uh, you know, might as well get them on the bestiality charge as well, I guess. Who knows? But yeah, head transplants. You heard it here first, guys. And actually that that sets me up to something that I don't think we should do it next time. But I think as we get towards the end of the year, I'm going to give you the heads up now so you can start thinking about it. I want you to come to me with your predictions for 2017. Ah, that's good. And if we get some, if we get some tweets uh, from people with with tradition, predictions, or you know, that would that would be good too. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I throw that out there. Yeah, to the the listeners and to to friends of the show to to fire those in because you know we've we've already shown that the pollsters can't predict shit, so we might as well start doing this for them. So uh, yeah, I'm going to set that as a a challenge for the future for you. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, it's it's a good point. We're moving. Uh, I know a lot of people were saying, you know, 2016, not the best, not the best of years. But uh, you know what? There's always next year. And uh, let's 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 push it forward. Uh, we got sustainable energy. We got EM drives. Yeah. Well, I did. I did like that on the uh, the uh, John Oliver show last week tonight where he uh the last show of the season, they basically did the fuck you 2016. You've been a fairly crappy year. So maybe we can predict that 2017 will be a better one. Or maybe we predict it's going to be an even shitter one. Who knows? Watch this space. Hey, man, like I said, it, it, you know, there's going to be positive and negatives with everything. We gotta, you know, we're going to keep a balanced view as the saviors of new media. We'll keep a balanced view. Uh, we're not going to sugarcoat things for you, but we, we'll try and keep it upbeat because I think naturally I am an optimist and I think you are as well. Um, and let's get the Ministry of Hairbrand Ideas pumping for this one. Yeah, that, Maybe that's wow. what 2017 needs. Maybe. You heard it here first. So with that, I'm going to summarize where we've been on our journey let's today. Does that sound? Uh, so as you've, you've just said, we are the saviors of new and modern media. So... You know, you heard it here first. That's going to be the tagline going forward. Uh, we'll probably get T-shirts, some badges, stickers made, uh, things like that. Uh, I think we also learned that you, Flash, are never going to be a motivational speaker because you <laughs> you basically killed us with negativity early on. So well, you know, if ever I'm in a change room, big game, just about to go out on court or whatever, I don't want you in that room because you're just going to bring me down. <laughs> You just you're going to bring me and everyone in the stadium. I thought, down, I, thought so. I would do myself later yeah. on, but fair, fair enough. Nah. Fair enough. You know what? You know what? I might not be the the you know the hero that people want, but uh, I'm the realist that people need. You know, so I'll I'll leave it at that. Well, you are something. Uh, we did we did give our I think our first seal of approval today to uh, to Brad for you is given its first seal of approval to Star Trek: The Next Generation. That's right. Uh, so that's that. Yeah, I can I can fully so, get behind uh, that. You know, and we're not receiving any. Uh, I just want to disclose, you know, for you know, 
transparency purposes that we're not receiving any money or anything from the sales of uh, box sets of Next Generation or anything. It's just a damn good show. It is a damn good show. You're right. You're right. So it gets our seal of approval. And the last thing we've basically learned is uh, 2017. Watch this space. Yeah, bring it on. Let's do it. Could could be good, could be bad. Who knows? Watch this space. All right, man. Yeah, no, that that sounds about right. And uh, it sounds about like I'm uh, out of hot hot lemon water and whiskey. My throat's a bit scratchy and I'm going to have to, you know, ditch this cold. So, um, let's uh, let's sign her off. Let's Indeed. wrap her well, up. So, you know, as we said to our eight, nine listeners out there, um, and I think I think actually what happens is we've got one listener that broadcasts to several thousand at one get maybe in a sweatshop who knows so we say eight nine listeners we've actually got tens of thousands <laughs> get in contact with us right, right. Uh, we've got an instagram account we've got a twitter account uh so at two brad for you if you want to tweet the show if you want to tweet myself individually uh at bradley w hayes uh and of course yourself flash yeah at b van paradigm so yeah get in touch because uh you know we do this show we do this show for shits and giggles between us, but we also do it for you, the listeners. So we want to hear what you like and what you don't like. And we want your predictions for 2017 as well. So get those coming in. Yep. Sounds good. Let's wrap her up. I'm going to say, uh, I wish you a speedy recovery, my friend. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And um, until next time, where by the time we, we do another one, we'll be full into uh, European Christmas markets and... All sorts of other, you know, fascinating cultural topics maybe that we could get into. I'll be I'll be turning up next time with a glass of glue vine just to get into the spirit. Yeah, it sounds good, my friend. I will see you then. Catch you next time. Cheers. Bye.